Hi everyone, this is Varun Dumri and you're listening to the Stars and Stardust podcast. It's been a crazy few weeks for the podcast as we near the halfway mark to 100 episodes. We're doing really really well guys. We're on episode 38, only 62 more to go for a century. Can't be more excited as there are so many amazing stories to be narrated about the Indian startup scene and the awesome work that's being done. On this episode, episode 38 of the podcast, we chat with Bharat Devanagan of Bounce about electric vehicles and how India is on the path to start seeing a lot more action in the EV space as governments have now stepped in to accelerating the switch from ICE to EVs. We also chat a little bit about Bharat's time at Yahoo on the main team as well as playing ultimate frisbee. Today I will not ask you to subscribe to the podcast. If you're a regular listener, you're probably already subscribed, but do share the podcast with your friends. It will help me a great deal to reach a lot more people. Okay? Hope you enjoy the show. Today we chat with um, Bharat Devanathan who I actually met uh, playing ultimate frisbee. For those who don't know what it is, I will you know we will talk a little bit about it and we'll probably uh, uh give you some insight uh, but bharat is an accomplished professional uh, he has worked at yahoo uh, he worked at groupon he set up uh, most of the india operations um currently he heads the electric vehicle and growth business at bounce so uh, let's say hi to bharat hey bharat welcome to the show hey varun thanks thanks a lot for having me glad to be here uh fantastic i i couldn't have been more excited about this conversation um you know we have obviously seen each other while playing on the field uh you know doing other things but i don't think we've actually talked business so uh today i'm super excited because i get to ask you some of questions uh that i uncovered while uh, doing a little bit of research for this conversation but um you're based out of bangalore and uh it's it's one of a uh, bounce a uh, bounce ride um it, its main market uh is bangalore um how has lockdown been for you guys uh, how are things uh, uh you know kind of rebounding uh in the sharing vehicle economy or the <coughs> shared vehicle economy i mean um, yeah the lockdown uh, was definitely unfortunate i mean for a variety of reasons uh, business being one of them but it's just unfortunate that uh, you know it affected so many lives and uh, uh, you know we're, we're going through this uh, that said it's obviously made a lot of us um, you know also realize uh, a few things what is important what is not important and i and i think that's a whole another topic and a lot of people have spoken about it yeah. so uh, uh, let's uh, leave that for another day but um, i mean it, it uh, did affect our business because people uh, let's say are not going to office working from home uh, have gone back to their hometowns schools and colleges are shut so a lot of these were our primary use cases right um now as the lockdown is uh, let's say being lifted slowly but on lock 1 on lock 2 and on lock 3 and now we hear yeah. the lock 4 um we are seeing uh, usage uh, it's uh, not at the levels we had pre covid in in february uh, but we uh, it's it's continuing to rise week on week and it's uh, positive um and we are fairly um, certain that you know this uh, when the pandemic sort of is resolved in some way or you know when there's a vaccine or whatever um you know there'll be a lot of tailwinds for shared mobility um you know for kind of obvious reasons right people don't want to travel uh, people who have to travel will not want to travel uh, in close proximity to someone right so you either use your own vehicle or if you don't have a, your own vehicle the next best thing is your own vehicle for a limited amount of time um it's better than going uh, in an auto or a you know uber or ola or a bus or a metro right so yeah you you are not in close proximity with um, other folks so therefore the chances of of uh, you sort of uh, contracting you know any of these uh, viruses is, is much more right um and we definitely see that so there will be new use cases um mm. we have also seen this in the past um, actually uh, in china for example um in in the most recent um you know occurrence of of covid which in let's say february mm-hmm. march when when they recovered i think they saw other shared mobility operators saw a lot of uh, uh, tailwind uh, you know they got back to pre covid levels and then even better uh, pretty quickly because of this um use case right um and if you go back about uh, you know 17 years ago in 2003 when sars broke out um in china 
um, we had a very similar effect. Shared mobility didn't exist then, uh, but what happened then was people, uh, you know, didn't want to commute using public transport, but they wanted to commute using um, their own um, uh, individual vehicles. So sales of, let's say, two wheelers, right, um, really shot up. Actually, that was a huge inflection point for the Chinese um, two-wheeler EV market. Um, because uh, around the late 90s, the Chinese government had started, uh, it's very progressive, right? They've started making policies such that uh, down uh, cities, popular cities, uh, in the downtown of these cities, you could not go with a petrol uh, two-wheeler. You could only go with an electric two-wheeler, right? Okay. Um, and uh, gradually, they sort of made the rules such that if you wanted to buy a two-wheeler, you could only buy an um, electric two-wheeler. So in 2003, when SARS hit, and then uh, when it subsided, and then the natural reaction was for people to buy uh, two-wheelers, the only option for many of them was electric two-wheelers. And that that was a big surge um, in, in well, uh, two-wheelers. EV adoption uh, in general. But talking exactly. about two-wheelers uh, and, 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 and being uh, much safer than any other vehicle, uh, is there much meat to it? Uh, you know, I mean, of course, you're still interacting with the vehicle. You're still holding the handlebars, uh, you know, and, and, you know, single person or two people. Well, you're probably together uh, if you're using, uh, right. you know, somebody shared. But is there any truth yeah. to it being safer? It's, it's uh, it, I mean, the proximity of uh, your uh, probability of, you know, being close to someone else is much, much lower, right? Um, than, than other uh, modes of transport. So that, that's why I would uh, say it's safer. Um, you know, there's too little time and too little uh, thing to like, you know, empirically or, or scientifically prove otherwise, but uh, it's definitely uh, you being close to someone um, who, let's say, has had an occurrence of this virus, uh, the chances of that are much lower in a, in a two-wheel. Um, just going back to your earlier point about SARS and, and you know, uh, China kind of pushing uh, the electric vehicle, uh, you know, market forward. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I think globally, Tesla's probably been the poster child for EV, uh, starting out in early 2000s. And then the Chinese strategy of, you know, like, uh, you know, in, in central districts um, and, and larger towns, uh, allowing only electric. I believe a large population of their um, buses are fully electric as well. So uh, there was a huge thrust towards making uh, electric possible. And I think that has driven down the costs uh, of the, the uh, manufacturing of electric vehicles in general. But one of the other things was uh, both the US and China had a lot of uh, government schemes and programs that enabled, uh, you know, subsidized uh, the, the uh, you know, purchasing of vehicles. Um, and, and surprisingly enough, uh, Delhi announced something uh, quite recently on the EV front where the government is now willing to subsidize purchase of vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. Are you seeing a lot more, uh, are we going to see a lot more of such uh, initiatives by different governments to, to uh, push uh, EV consumption in India? Yeah, I uh, definitely think so. Uh, since 2015, actually, we've had this policy called FRAME, um, which uh, has been providing subsidies for uh, uh, purchasing to sort of uh, electric two-wheelers at a, at a subsidy. Um, now we are on the second version of it, same two. Um, I think it is a, a far more progressive than the earlier one. Um, and on top of this, like you said, the, um, you know, the state governments have also sort of, uh, put in some subsidies of their own. So if you combine the state subsidy with the government subsidy, in many, uh, in many cases, it's quite a substantial amount. Um, and I think this is to propel, um, or give it that initial sort of, uh, trust. Uh, to take on because I think uh, everyone in India, in many parts of the world, look at you know what is my upfront cost of of doing something like this, and obviously bringing that down, um, you know, gives a huge impetus to uh, making this happen. Right. So definitely, I think the states around uh, India, Karnataka has one, 
mean many states have one punjab uh, kerala uh, tamil nadu andhra pradesh telangana all of these uh, states many of these states have very progressive uh, eb sort of policies and subsidies so it's not only for vehicles it's also for you know setting up charging stations land for for charging stations it's uh, land for let's say developing um, evs or you know projects related to evs all of this stuff what's interesting is the uh, i i saw the highlights of the delhi ev policy and uh, i think for cars it's one and a half lakhs as a subsidy uh, for mm-hmm. two wheelers and and auto rickshaws uh, and any of these uh, other uh, vehicles they're giving 30000 uh, to i think 50000 rupees uh, depending on the vehicle yeah. uh that's mind blowing money that's probably being set aside uh, and and probably the yeah. first ones who who get the vehicle are going to get the benefit of it but also they're going to be guinea pigs right because uh, you know there're not going to be enough charging points uh well th- there's an argument to be made that i think you don't need uh, more than one charge for a few days of using a dev uh, and you know battery technology has come that far but is is the government spending this the right way or you know is there some flaw in the strategy because it seems like a large amount for subsidy yeah it 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 does right um, it it is uh, a large amount but there are different ways in which this money is uh, sort of so in the delhi government i'm not really sure but i can sort of just talk about how a few other governments both in india and uh, internationally have done this right so they they use something called um, i mean the you know one of the terms for it is called a fee bait so which is a rebate but so it's a revenue neutral uh, policy which means um, so if you are selling uh, let's say a million um, you know gasoline vehicles a month right um, and, a, and if you add 500 bucks to that uh, the cost of that right so each of those sales will subsidize an uh, uh, ev right so that way uh, you are also incentivizing the 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 buyers to actually buy buy an ev than a gasoline vehicle if you buy if you want to buy a gasoline vehicle you can but you know it's going to cost you slightly more um, and some some uh, government have made it very sort of uh, you know scientific in the sense it really uh, the the amount that you pay depends on you know your emissions um, uh, for that vehicle right so uh, so it's a small let's say you can call it a tax or you can call it a fee for buying a gasoline 500 bucks right not much if you're buying a two wheeler 500 bucks is not much if you're buying a four wheeler let's say 1000 bucks more or something like that it's not much um but when that adds up that that kind of uh, uh money is then used to subsidize uh, EVs right so there are that's one way i'm talking about but there are other sort of ways as well where it can be revenue neutral it's not necessarily you know taxpayer money uh, that's going into this but uh, it's uh, yeah i mean if you there are two schools of thought right people say subsidies are short term um, it's not sustainable why do it um, and the other is uh, you know we need to have this initial trust for it to happen um, and my view is that at least in parts of the world where it's really uh, taken off um, you know there has been this trust in the beginning um, you know starting from california to china um, to you know in, in even parts of europe Right. Um, so right. this is there. So it makes sense to sort of do this. I, I think Norway probably has the the biggest in subsidy scheme. Uh, I read yeah. a statistic where they are the most per capita Teslas in the world, and I was like, correct, correct. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is is India doing enough though on the on the EV side? Um, is, is that you know are there parts that could be improved because pem like you said was not a great uh, you know policy to start with uh, and pem to there's also uh, at least from an outsider's perspective it seems like there's a dependency still on uh, you know china and you know the manufacturing assembling only happens here uh, from a policy standpoint it still seems that we're not incentivizing uh you know self like dependency uh domestic dependency and and creating a lot more uh, channels you know the indian government or indian industry has realized but it's a bit uh, late but the realization um is the following right is that uh, if you think of it uh, 7% of india's gdp is oil imports um 
and uh, another five percent is the auto sector, right? So twelve percent of the GDP basically depends on the auto sector, right? Right. Now let's assume that we don't do anything uh, on EVs, right? Uh, what is going to happen if oil is going to be replaced by batteries, and uh, all petrol vehicles are going to be replaced by um, uh, EV vehicles, right? Yeah, and now if this is the case, then twelve percent of your GDP is now suddenly a trade deficit, right? Now you have to import. Uh, uh, basically, you're sending cash out of the country for this, right? Um, which is, and if the rest of the world moves away from EVs and we don't, we will move to EVs, but we won't have the capability. So basically, now uh, we are facing a huge trade deficit. So therefore, it's important one to move to EVs and two to make sure a lot of this is indigenous, right? um if you look at um you know many people have spoken about it but if you look at you know the whole uh, cell phone manufacturing we missed that bus right there right. an opportunity to do that uh, we missed that bus let's say others korea um, japan china uh, definitely right um, have become sort of hubs for that uh, right. we missed that bus. so here i think uh, it's kind of late but i don't think it's it's so late that we can't do anything about it so the government has basically uh, said yeah fame is is a is a way for us to you know accelerate the growth of EVs mm-hmm. but fame also has several several uh, sort of uh, you know uh, milestones to it where it says in in you know in 6 months you need to localize x percentage of your waste right um okay you can start selling it now and you can import it now but you know in the next 6 to 12 months you know some percentage of that has to start happening in india and you know they have given a progressive timeline for that right so if you do that you get a higher subsidy and if you don't you you don't get a subsidy so i think those are all steps uh, definitely in the right direction to localize um so today i think one uh, thing we lack uh, in india is actually building the uh, battery cell right we don't have that um, let's say um, either the know how or the know how to build it at scale it? um and it's it's not it's not something that you can learn overnight um so i know right. several initiatives both by the government and by other uh, you know private institutions are on for for doing this but today in india we don't have you know a large scale cell manufacturing uh, unit right um, it's it's in the works maybe you know um, you know 12 months from now uh, or 18 months from now we'll have something um, that is solid but right now um, it doesn't exist right so therefore government is cognizant of the fact and saying okay you can import cells but you have to make the battery pack here you have to do the casing here you have to do the you know battery management system here um and and you know over a period of time you need to localize uh, all of this that is one the other is also uh, what china has done very cleverly and uh, i'm sure you might have read about it in in some some interesting articles is they have monopolized um you know the source the the raw materials yeah. that are required for these reports uh yeah rare so, earths is what they call it i think you get a lot of this uh well they haven't got china, china itself their own natural resources are not been you know been uh, consumed i think it's been going to uh africa i think africa, africa. is uh, you know i think congo and that belt uh, the basin is where exactly. a lot of the uh, you know mining is happening and i think australia is the other part uh, which is probably done in a much cleaner way but China has also control a lot of those resources. Uh, right? Yeah. Um, exactly. I think this is part of that Belt and Road Initiative, I believe. Yeah. So uh, you're right. So Africa has a lot of these. Uh, uh, so the most, let's say, prevalent uh, chemistry today in uh, cells is called NMC, nickel, manganese, cobalt, um, and a lot of these uh, raw materials and are available in uh, in China, sorry in Africa, and China has sort of stuck. Uh, deals with the government there to you know have a forward contract for the next 10 or 20 years they have agreed to a price uh, right so which is a huge boon for the gdp of that country um and but so china has been very sort of clever and and astute about yeah. uh, going about this right um and also in several parts of south america as well so that is definitely uh, one area that the where uh, we need to sort of catch up um i i think you know i've read reports that india has uh, Deposits of this, and we are finding it here and there. But also, I think there are other places in the world where we are trying to uh, strike uh, deep for the ground. Primarily, these are polluting industries, right? Like, if it does come to India, or you know, we decide to do a lot of these things here, uh, there is going to be an environmental cost uh, to it. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Talking about environmental costs, you know, where we talk a lot about EVs being the future, etc. But one of the things that uh, India does really well is use its very poor coal deposits uh, or other uh, poor quality coal deposits uh, to generate electricity, and that's. Uh, you know, the last numbers I remember reading were about ninety-five to ninety-six percent of all all electricity uh, generated is uh, coal, and of course there is a, a push towards solar, there's a push towards thermal, but not at the pace uh, that you know uh, is is desirable. But there is some progress. So when we say EV is actually clean, uh, how right are we? Are we just moving the uh you know blame to another segment or sector and saying you know what uh, we we can do as best as we can but is actually the problem of uh the generation right um is is that a concern at all i mean it it's a valid question um and um, here are some ways to think about that right so uh, i think first of all i think in india the the coal generation uh, coal accounts for i think about 70 70 to 80% uh, of uh, electricity produced the rest are all to, uh, from other sources renewable hydro and so on so it's not uh, that high. used to be high that high but not uh, that high today uh, second today in india um, renewable energy is given preference over coal so renewable energy is 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 not uh, what do you say you can't predict it right like you don't know when the sun is coming so and so on so it's it's if the sun is out that is given more preference than other other uh, sort of Uh, forms of energy so that policy is also very uh, you know progressive right the other thing is um, you know this whole uh, thing of, there is something that uh, in this analysis uh, you know people talk about what is called a well to wheel ratio okay which means okay. Uh, from from the well well is your uh, you know the well is the in, in case of oil it's oil in case of uh, ev with all these uh, you know rare earth materials um and till the time you make a car right um, uh, or make a two wheeler and put it on the road right so that's from well to wheel what is the actual uh, sort of uh, emission and pollution you are causing right so here there are several studies obviously there are uh, you know uh, two sides uh, you know claiming uh, you know, things but largely you will find that the well to wheel ratio for a um, ev is much uh, lower than that for a uh petrol vehicle so on the whole to put an ev on the road you know from scratch uh, is less polluting than to put a um, petrol vehicle on the road right and make it run over the, over the lifetime of the vehicle in the sense not only putting it on the road but let's say it runs for 3 years 50000 kilometers in both cases mm-hmm. then um it's generally uh, and there are several uh, you know studies done in different countries uh, you know even done in india uh, on this right So I think that's kind of fairly established. That said, you will still find some people uh, who will refute this, uh, but you know that's that's how it is, right? Um, so that's uh, yeah. So that's how it is. See, the other thing is also uh, eventually you you can also use this as a uh, when we get to a point like Norway, for example, right? A lot of Norway's uh, energy is renewable, which is why it makes a lot of. So when we uh, we are moving towards that, and when we get to a point there, right? Then the other reason like when you are making a uh, transition from um, you know let's say uh, uh, fossil fuel to uh, renewable energy right the, one of the big problems there is storage okay because right. um, wind energy for example you, you know it is in the night and in the day you don't know but whenever it comes if you produce it you transmit it to where it needs to go and you consume it then it's great it's same with solar solar happens during the day and when it uh, you you when the sun is out you produce that energy and you transfer it it's being used at the same time as grid now let's say there is not enough demand so the, the sun is out right but there's not enough uh, you're producing energy but there's not enough demand for that energy at that point in time then what do you need to do you need to store that energy right now where will you store it again you have to store it in batteries now the moment you introduce storage right then the cost of the entire solution becomes very high okay um so one of the fundamental uh, roles that evs play here is that they act as a medium of storage as well right so right. so when you produce renewable energy 
if you are uh, if you are able to consume that in let's say billions of evs which can store it right yeah. and which can that energy can either be used later to uh, for the ev itself or they can uh, that energy can be used back to the grid so you supply it uh, back to the grid or you power your home or you know part of your home or something like for example you know i think uh, netherlands uh, this i uh, read recently somewhere netherlands has i think about 7 million cars Wow. out of these if 1 million 1 million becomes completely evs right mm-hmm. then um, and if all of them are charged then that is enough to power the entire netherlands for 3 hours <laughs> right wow i mean netherlands is a small country but okay yeah yeah it is a small country but but and if this energy is renewable then then it makes sense so sure. i think the the i think the larger point i'm trying to make is that one is yes ev by itself is also um you know it let's say it pollutes the earth lesser than than petrol but i think it plays a pivotal role uh, today and a lot more in the future when it acts as a medium of storage for uh, renewable energy which you can then give it back to the grid that, i mean that's probably the best explanation i've heard in a long time because i i, I think it kind of uh, you know uh, kind of ties it together when you're saying that okay there are so many batteries charging at the same time and consuming renewable when it's actually being created uh and, and i think uh, uh you know i think even in the us they had a huge challenge when uh, all the homes are gener- generating electricity and pumping into the grid because there's no one to consume it at that point correct right so so then uh, it it became that nobody's consuming the electricity everybody's you know selling electricity and the grid has you know no one no one to buy it right it's a, it's a it's a demand and supply side issue um right. talking about uh, you know evs and 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 you know the proliferation of evs i think recently um, you know flipkart uh, slash walmart decided to convert or at least they have said that they're going to convert their whole fleet uh, you know to an ev uh you know powered uh grid and i think bounce uh, itself decided to you know uh, that it wanted to convert 50% of its uh, vehicles uh, today uh, uh, last year is about 11000 vehicles uh and 50% were meant to uh, uh become evs over time and that's that's when they brought you in uh, to bounce right that was kind of the plan um how has that program been uh, what's been the learning uh in that process yeah so uh see i think one of the uh, sort of key realizations for 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 me also was in india right um, so or if you look at uh, other parts of the world right um, like china norway uh, us where electric mobility uh, sort of uh, has taken off electric mobility appeared on the scene before shared mobility right which ah, means the uh only way uh, at that point in time for people to experience ele- electric vehicles was via by buying something of their own right in india um that you know the timing is such that shared mobility has happened before electric mobility which means shared mobility can be and will be the medium through which electric mobility will first first reach the masses right and then so if for example i am able to experience me and you are able to experience an ev today um you know for half an hour and we just pay for that half an hour right and there's no upfront investment nothing then if we wanted to buy a vehicle we 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 are really convinced about it otherwise it's it's hard so basically shared mobility is ha- acting like a huge you know test ride platform for for evs today right and that's the exciting opportunity uh, you know uh, for us at bounce see the the transition from from uh, petrol to electric vehicles will happen in india you know a few years ago let's say five years ago it was a question of if but now it's a question of when it's definitely going to happen i think uh, we all agree that um and you know even if whether shared mobility operators like bounce and others exist or not this transition is going to happen but i think uh, operators like bounce have a huge opportunity to sh- catalyze this transformation right uh, and to shave off uh, you know if i have to take put a number to it i think we can shave off 3 to 5 years in this transition um by being a shared mobility provider that you know goes fully electric um one we will replace one electric ve- sorry one shared mobility vehicle actually replaces seven to eight you know usual vehicles 
private vehicles and then if that shared mobility vehicle is an electric vehicle it's it's a you know it's an added advantage and let's say the the, the people of india will get to experience right um so that's the huge opportunity in front of us uh, you know we have started um sort we started work on this uh, roughly about a year ago today uh, you know we have done lots of rides on evs uh, today in bangalore for example uh, post lockdown we have decided to go only evs so now we are only operating uh, ev fleet 100% ev fleet um, oh, wow. which is uh, yeah and uh, it's actually remarkable um we are obviously learning a lot uh, from it but also i think uh, we're getting a lot of positive feedback from customers as well um on the way to go. and it's it's very liberating it's very very like noiseless and it's liberating if you actually if you open if you get open the phone find a ev next to you uh, right it's very liberating so on the app uh, the evs are denoted with a with a uh, a thunderbolt signal right like a, as a as a charging Correct. signal has this actually yeah. changed a uh, consumer preference uh, to using uh, an electric vehicle versus a petrol vehicle have you seen uh, some of the shifts in in the consumption we uh, see the, we we actually studied that pretty deeply um, so if a vehicle is like the the conversion rate for an electric vehicle and a petrol vehicle is uh, similar there are no differences there um the one so, thing so is they just want to get from point a to point b and, and there's no exactly okay hmm. they want to go point a to point b we had and still have a, a, a bit of a customer education hurdle to uh, go through because these evs don't make noise see because the first what is our uh, we've all grown up on two wheelers right so our first tendency is to put the key in rotate it um then you know hold the brake right and press the start button right and then we hear right. some noise right um and then we say okay now the bike is on right so right. but this doesn't happen in an ev right so when it doesn't make noise right um and there is no start but it doesn't make noise people think okay uh, this this thing is not functioning right so now let me look for another bike so we have got, had to go through that uh, customer education hurdle both on the app uh, and a few other means uh, tutorials uh, some uh, pr and all of that um mm-hmm. i think that we have uh, solved that I, I won't say hundred percent, but to a large extent. Oh man! Um, you know, from from your experience, uh, one of the things that really stood out was your time at Yahoo uh, in the early days. And I, I really wanted to, you know, uh, before we we uh, start wrapping up this call, I really wanted to get into uh, talking about email, right? At least. for me uh, one of my first emails was yahoo mail uh, and i probably got the most random email address because you know when you're new to the internet you don't know what the hell you're doing so you just create whatever email you you think is cool at that time um but you know um at the same time um gmail launched i i wouldn't say same time but a couple of years later uh, you know Uh, Google launched their uh, product, which kind of mimicked the cleanliness and that and that easy user interface, like the search did, and and pretty much obliterated the search business for a lot of other players. Um, the mail started doing that, and and I saw that you worked on the mail around this time to probably resurrect or say, okay, can we salvage something here? Was that the plan? How did that go? What? What? what I mean, uh, I'm super excited to learn about what happened at that time inside of Yahoo. Yeah, so, yeah, so there there are some interesting uh, stories there. So uh, first, some context, right? So when uh, so this was in 2004, Yahoo was offering um, a free uh, free mailbox. I mean, a, a mailbox for free, and the size was six MB. Okay. If you paid five dollars a month, you would get twenty-five MB. Okay. Now, when you think of it, it it, it sounds uh, odd, but that's how it was, right? Um, and I think if you paid a little bit more, you would get some more MB. But these were sort of the tiers. Now, um, so that's and people are using email for all kinds of uh, things, right? Like for communication, for sending, like you know, British videos, videos, all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Forwards. We were saying forwards. Yeah. 
yeah so the point. whatsapp forwards were yeah exactly right <laughs> yeah just to set the context again that in 2004 yahoo uh, had a free mailbox for uh, of 5 or 6 mb if you paid 5 dollars a month or so you'd get 25 mb right um and at that point i was working on uh, in the yahoo data team in january uh, 2004 i think uh, you know yahoo somehow heard that google is trying to do something with email okay um then what uh, yahoo did was it gathered what it thought were you know the best engineers from around the the company to actually sort of uh, you know rebuild yahoo mail right because one is you know it's from increasing size from a 5 megabytes to you know whatever 1 gig is is not just increasing size but you have to rearchitect a lot of it, right um and one of the first things was search right so searching a big mailbox means you have to index the mailbox and you have to do it in real time um so i i worked on that project they they launched uh, gmail and they said uh, unlimited gmail right so people are wondering whether it's it's a joke or it's actually true um and it was great pr they really stunning pr um and that's how they launched uh, it was, and the second thing they did was it was invite only so you know you were cool if you had a gmail address it was and it definitely created the buzz the right kind of buzz uh, for for uh, a product like that um yeah and then i think uh, we were head on for about uh, two years google and yahoo mail and you know google had a lot of uh, i think technologically they made some advancements um, but i think we also uh, really revamped yahoo mail to be a big mail storage one of the first things i worked on was mail uh, search and then the second thing was mail storage how do you actually store and and um, reduce the cost of storing so many emails but it's really really fun time i think um, it was a really good team um, uh we had to move quickly um i think a lot of my uh, you know formative years of my career were in those times and right. i really learned a lot i was fortunate to be surrounded by 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 some really good folks um both professionally who like who are good at their work and both you know as people um it's really really good to have um, and many of them have gone on to do great things uh, you know my ex boss now uh, reports to sundar pichai um another uh, guy michael curtis who was uh, working on yahoo mail uh, with us went on to become head engineering at airbnb and now is is left so you worked with a really really good set of folks at that time um i'm i'm excited about the talk about about people uh, you worked at yahoo but I, i want to broach that topic in just a few seconds ha- you having worked and seen the the mail experience and you know what goes into creating a a mailbox and a and a beautiful mailbox there's been uh the email business has again been buzzing right uh i think after 12 13 years uh of of us using gmail and and all these other services uh i think superhuman launched almost as a um i think they're a client right um superhuman works as a client on top of uh, any oh. existing mailbox and then uh recently i uh, i'm sure you got the invite for hey.com uh and and it looks like they've completely rebuilt email from scratch and it's not a client are you a subscriber to any of these guys uh what's your take i mean because superhuman charges i think 30 dollars a month uh for using the client and hey.com is offering the whole solution for 99 dollars a year uh and and i think people are starting to feel like okay it's about time we paid for email and we got a better experience uh and a lot of people are now moving uh, towards that um it, you know you being a email veteran i want to hear your thoughts and and you know if you're using any of these tools yeah so superhuman uh, you know i've heard of uh, definitely but i haven't used it so i, I really uh, don't know um hey i subscribe to um, i got the, the invite and i subscribe to it and then i i bought it so now i am uh, i have a year subscription um i like so yeah bharat at hey.com I, I didn't get Bharat. So I got Butta at Hey. dot com. Okay. <laughs> okay. For those for those who so, listen to this, Butta is uh, his nickname. Uh, that's <laughs> Bharat. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I got that, and uh, yeah. So I've been using it. I think it's uh, it really they have reimagined email, um, and they are kind of uh, forcing you. to do the workflow which they think is right or the right way email should be done um which i think is a very uh, you know courageous and brave step uh, and 
I mean, not everything in the, in the, in that workflow sort of comes naturally to me. Um, but I'm I'm trying to. Uh, but most of it, I really like. Like, I love the reply later feature. I love the fact that you can change subjects. I love the fact that no spy, uh, no guy can tra- track you, whether you've opened the email or not. Um, I love clips, right? So if you send me an important phone number, I, I can only save that somewhere. I don't have to save, uh, you know, that oh, old nice. email somewhere. Right, so um, those are all some really uh, good features. So they've really taken, understood, you know, gone five levels deep and understood what's the problem with current email, and uh, try to solve that. Uh, and you know, as uh, I think Aaron Levy says, right, of like the the thing with software, you don't need software for an existing process, uh, but you yeah. you need to redesign the whole process, right? And I think that's what these guys have done um, very very well. So, do you see yourself um, completely switching over uh, to uh, A.com? dot uh, com? Because I'm guessing this is your trial. Okay, so no, you're saying, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's an auto forward from uh, Gmail, but you know, I hardly open uh, Gmail. So, so now you can just scroll through your emails, and you know, you're like, yeah, this is how life should be. Uh, I got done with yeah, this. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, um, I should I should try and figure out uh, how to get on this uh, platform. Uh, <laughs> I have an invite. I'll send you. I I have an account. I I just haven't renewed it. Okay. Uh, cool. I decided uh, I'll test it out. But but yeah, uh, if I need an invite, I'm going to ping you for that. Um, sure. Hey, uh, getting to you know the amazing alumni of of Yahoo and Yahoo has a ton of them. Uh, we actually met playing ultimate frisbee you and i and for those who don't know and you know i probably mentioned my preamble we'll give you a quick primer but there are actually grown men uh, like us who run behind the frisbee and a, and a disc uh, and we call it a sport and it's actually a lot of fun so for those who haven't seen it please go to youtube uh, check it out uh, it's exciting um, it got us back to playing sport uh, after school and college and all these other things um as professionals we also enjoyed it today um but uh, as we're talking about uh, frisbee i read um somewhere that you actually played uh frisbee or you picked up frisbee playing with the current or rather the co-founders of whatsapp uh ian coom and brian acton um and you have some interesting stories about playing with them um how did did they you know uh, how did this work like they were at yahoo at the same time you were and um, you know you, you you had like a frisbee club uh, at at yahoo and you guys just like uh, hung out uh, what's the story yeah, there so, yeah so brian was uh, uh, you know a very very big fan of the game uh, and i think still is um so he would try to gather uh, people together um and sort of uh, host games there was a park you know just less than 5 minutes drive from where we were uh, so we used to go there i think tuesdays and thursdays uh, and play and uh, you know we used to have i think uh, an email group um where we would say you know how many people are in and so on and so forth and so uh, you know i i played i used to play a lot of sports when um, i was younger and then i just wanted to try this uh, brian used to uh, try to get a for he was very passionate about the game and he used to try to get a group of folks together and uh, i think one of the things he did was also was he got i think 100 or 200 discs made um, you know with like the yahoo logo and all of that and and uh, <laughs> distributed it um, to all of us um brian at that time was fairly i would say senior in the organization uh but you would never know that by you know when you met him um either in the office or outside um very very humble very uh, down to earth very approachable um really great guy to be around um and all kinds of like execs would sort of like david filo who was uh, uh, the founder of yahoo used to be there um and you know many other execs used to so it was for me it was a great uh way to get to know these people um yeah. as well as to enjoy the game learn the game uh, i think we also went to one or two tournaments together um um and yeah but it was just uh, 
and you know i had i had moved from india to the us um it was also a great way for me to build a social circle um you know um outside of just my my sort of working colleagues um so really got to know a lot uh, lot of the us i think um, or at least us culture to whatever extent to through these folks and that's the other good thing about philly which i'm sure you've also seen is that it it's uh, it's a great community um, for where we want yeah. you know anywhere in the world uh, talk about community uh, i i you know i think a lot of silicon valley uh, founders uh, play ultimate um i i i think larry page and sergey brin uh, also recruited <laughs> actively uh while playing uh, you know they take take up uh, you know the senior hires out for a game and they will see like you know what this person is all about uh i thought it was super interesting so um when brian and and yan were at at yahoo um were they ever talking about whatsapp as an idea or i think that probably came much much later right uh, after they moved yeah. on uh, uh did they did they call yeah, up brian and like Did they call up Bharat and say, "Hey, we're thinking about something. Do you want to come by? Uh, did you ever get a chance I wish, to be I part of the did. team?" <laughs> no, I wish they did. I, I was unfortunately not in the US at that point, um, and I, I wish they did. Though I did get uh, another call from another famous startup, uh, which is doing very well uh, uh, now. And you know, I was outside the country, and I, I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't go and didn't go. Um, but uh yeah this is not uber uh, they, they didn't speak about no it's not uber it's it's uh, it's facebook no they were not talking about this at all um they both so yan at that point was was not uh, as senior um, i would say yan was i don't know if i uh, yeah maybe a year or two or three years uh, you know more senior than me but brian was definitely very senior so brian was doing a lot of things uh, that were sort of you know really impacting uh, the core business um yeah i i don't recollect uh, any, any i think they started in 2008 so i don't think and i was there till 2007 so i don't think they had any of these things uh, uh well you know sometimes uh, you just uh, wait for those kind of calls right you know you know folks uh, and and you know they respect you enough to pick up phone and, and call but I, i guess if you don't actually work with them sometimes the relationships also different because you know uh, yeah. they they identify with you uh, socially i mean you can still call up yarn for a beer and i'm sure he's going to hang out with you uh, <laughs> <laughs> um when you uh, you know uh, came back to india after yahoo um uh, well you you then spent some time uh, in management consulting and then you launched uh, groupon in india right mm-hmm. um there's there's so much i need to ask you about deal sites and and you know uh, how the indians took to deals uh, and and what is deals today uh, but i think uh, you know I, i'm just going to ask you a very simple question uh, you know are you a value shopper uh, do you have your favorite website to get the best price i i, I would like to think i'm a value shopper that, that i don't pay too much for for uh, what i want but i don't think i necessarily go for the cheapest or spend a lot of time you know finding the cheapest uh, deal i have somehow um, you know i i don't know what it is but there is some magic amazon has done uh, over the last few years where they converted me as a loyal customer uh, and i can't even place my finger on it i don't know how but they've just done it and i'm sure they've done it for a lot of people so most of my shopping is uh, <laughs> i think it, it's habitual right like i think once you keep yeah. using it there is um, I mean I think the price is also you know now I start calling fair you're not going to get the best price maybe a uh, few yeah. hundred rupees plus or minus but you know you're probably still going to get uh, a good deal um do you think deal sites have run their course in india yeah i i, I would think so yeah it's uh, especially now for sure uh, in these covid times but i somehow think we've not i don't know what the answer is but i don't think we have found the right uh, hit the right chord with Uh, with the deal sites uh, or with the customers uh, of the deal uh, but but it's also a supply demand thing right because deal sites typically uh, take a lot from the restaurants or the owners i, I think they they pay too high of a share uh, and i think they mm-hmm. don't get loyal customers um because when when i used to run the citrus wallet uh, you know we used to get all kinds of requests from 
from retailers and from saying hey give me this give me that and you know we just couldn't incentivize a lot of these transactions um but you know i you know i could talk to you all day about uh, you know what's happening on the deal sides but um hey bharat this is being great thanks for sharing uh, insights on ev uh, and and you know have you um, gone out to play uh, frisbee at all uh, has the lockdown uh, uh, enabled you to step out a little bit so i do close uh, um, i live uh, very close to doc you know doc from airbender right i don't know uh, yeah yeah of course yeah yeah so doc and me get get a couple of calls with to be see for you i've got uh, frisbees on the on the background right so today uh, yeah. that's the change in my uh, backdrop today uh, nice. oh that's awesome so you guys are a pod like now um, you know you're like the covid uh, you know you guys are uh, covid buddies you're like okay yes, i'm not going to yeah. see anybody else yeah exactly we take our masks and go to a, a ground close by and and uh, and throw for an hour maybe a week an hour or two hours okay. oh that's exciting man uh i i think uh, everybody is expecting uh, you know or hoping that uh lockdown becomes a lot more easier well i think now there's no more lockdown it's more about you know us taking precautions to want to play um and and you know it becomes uh, yeah. easier for us to you know be out and and play again um hey bharat i'll see you on the ground uh, very soon uh, you know thanks adan for coming on and and you know uh, having this chat hey thanks a lot for having me it was, it was great a uh, lot of fun being here and uh, definitely look forward to seeing you uh, on the ground and otherwise as well Uh, yeah um, and and i'm and i'm excited about uh, you know bounce and and uh, the ev strategy so uh, we'll check back in uh, you know in a few months on on you know uh, how things have progressed <laughs>